Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, here we are, almost end of year. Can't believe it. Another year has gone by. And, uh, but I want to share something this morning. Over the last couple of years, and probably longer, but it's been highlighted and accentuated, I think, over these past couple of years, uh, where I've become increasingly aware of the need, this is so simple, but of the need for kindness, the need for compassion, the need to do good to people. In a world that's flooded with fear, in a world that's flooded with, with angst and with division and opinion and accusation and vitriol and so much unkindness, more than ever, those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus ought to be more like him. After all, that is the challenge. It's, it's time for Christians to be like Jesus. It's a simple equation, really. <laughs> it's not simple and it's outworking, but I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18 tells us this is God's goal. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed from glory to glory to glory into His image, into His likeness. How are you doing with that? How are you going with that? I was reading earlier this week, passage Galatians 5, 22, 23, so well known. <clears throat> I often think when I read these verses, I often think of kids' end of year presentations or whatever, and they've and this is these verses are about the fruit of the spirit. And kids with, you know, a little tree with all the fruit hanging off, and it's really cute. But I want to tell you that, and let me read the verse to you for, uh, first of all. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We were just singing about God's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against any of those. You can do them any time you like. How good is that? There's no curfew on those. There's no lockdown on any of those. Um, those qualities are not just kind of nice, lofty, ethereal kind of qualities. They're actually intended to be tangible outcomes of the presence of God in our lives. Fair comment? Hmm. So if Jesus were to come and do some fruit inspection this morning, <laughs> how would you go? How would you go? Acts 10.38 tells us that Jesus went about anointed by the Holy Spirit, doing good, doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. His first miracle that he did, as you know, was turning water into wine. And what was that about? That was really just about being a blessing, doing good for some people to save them the embarrassment of running out of wine at the wedding. Wow. You thought he'd have picked something more lofty for his first miracle, but it was just being a blessing, just doing good. So with that backdrop of thought this morning, I want to just share 
share some things with you. I, I hope I can provoke you to think this morning. How many of you know it's actually good to be challenged, to have your thinking challenged? It's like it can be uncomfortable because how many of you know we've got it all together and we, we know it all already? Put your hand up if that's you. No, don't put your hand up if that's you. Um, and sometimes it's really good to allow our thinking to be challenged. And I, I want to take a few minutes shortly to look at a couple of incidents in Jesus' life where he, he gives us effectively a different way to think about some things and about the decisions we make and some aspects of life with the purpose of pursuing the good. The, the purpose of pursuing the good. If I were to put a title on this message this morning, it would be, being right or doing good? Being right, and many of us, and particularly as Christians, we want to do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing, or being good. And sometimes those two match up, sometimes they don't, as we'll see in a moment. I grew up in a strong Christian home and, and a church environment for which I'm eternally grateful. But the church environment in which I grew up in was far more legalistic and judgmental than the environment we're in even today in church life. And I think as a result in the earlier years and even as an early Christian, early pastor, I, I, I primarily saw life through, through the lens of black or white, right or wrong, good or evil. That was, that was primarily the lens and of course, if you see life just through those, where it's a clear delineation, black or white, you know, right or wrong, it's so much easier to make decisions, of course, when you see the world that way. Uh, and of course, religion seeks to do that, make it very clear, black or white, right or wrong. And of course, for us, everything, if you take that view, everything that happens is reduced to one of two things, either God did it or it was the devil. But as I've journeyed through life, I've realized not everything is simply black or white. You ever found that? Not everything is black or white. Obviously, some things are. And I don't need to go there. Some things are black and white. But in life, I've found a lot of gray. I've found a lot of gray areas. And navigating that sometimes is challenging. And around the age of 17, I was introduced to the concept of situational ethics. Some of you would be familiar with that. It's basically the study of how we apply our values and our morals to, in different ways according to the circumstances, depending on the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Now, for those of us who are people of faith, that can be a confronting thought. It, seems, it just seems wrong, seems untenable that ethics would be situational, that ethics would depend on circumstances because shouldn't everything be clear? Shouldn't everything just know it's either right or it's wrong? It's black or it's white, it's good or it's evil. So let me pose a question to you. Just get through this and then I'll, I'll take you to a couple of incidents in the life of Jesus. So let's say that I ask you to come out and help me. <clears throat> I need to cut some timber, a chainsaw. I give you clear instructions on how to use the chainsaw and we're out there. And then cutting some timber and you fail to heed the, the safety instructions and you do the wrong thing and you end up with a nasty cut on your leg. And um, now, just hit the pause button there. So speeding, 
Speeding, those of you that have ever had a speeding ticket, bow your heads, close your eyes, raise your hand. No. How many of you know the law says you cannot speed? It's, how many of you know it's wrong to speed? Would you, is that agreed? It's wrong. It's wrong. The law makes it very clear that if, you, if it says 100 and you go 120, which many of you do, um, it's actually wrong. You're breaking the law, correct? Correct. Okay. So I want to do the right thing. So now here we are. We've got this dreadful situation where you're injured. I know that I've got 10 minutes to get you to the hospital. You're going to bleed out. But I want to do the right thing. Really, I need, I, the law says I can only do 100. And I know that if I stick to the speed limit, it's going to take me 13 minutes to get you to the hospital. But we've only got 10. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've got to do the right thing. <laughs> Interesting thought, isn't it? I mean, the truth is for me, hey, I'm going to speed. Because I want to do the ultimate good. Because in that scenario, your life matters more than the law. So, um, and, and it's interesting, just we don't have time to explore some of those analogies this morning. I mean, what if you're just late for church? Is it okay to speed them? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if you're the senior pastor and you've got to preach, I mean, hey, you know, and I've got to admit that. I've, I know people who have done that. Okay. <laughs> so, just another couple of little, little analogies to make you think. So, if you're stealing, we know stealing is wrong. No question. But if your family was starving and the only way you could feed them was by stealing some bread, would you steal the bread? Yeah. You sinners, you just... What's, don't you know the right thing to do? Someone comes into your house, some drug-crazed person comes into your house and threatens your family and your family is in danger and you have to take them on. You're on the risk of killing them. Would you do it? Yeah, I would. I would. I would kill someone to protect my family. Now we know you shall not kill. Okay. So... I use those illustrations and analogies just to simply get your head in the space that we're about to enter this moment with Jesus. Because you see, the, t- the situation or the tension between with situational ethics is that the solution is rarely black and white. Sometimes it's impossible to uphold one of our deeply held values without forsaking another one. Now, hopefully life is not those level of decisions all the time. Okay, you don't have too many of those. And it's easy to believe you would never steal until you're starving to death. It's easy to believe that you would never kill until maybe your life or your family's life is in danger. And whether we realise or not, a lot of life is actually about these issues, situational ethics. As I said, hopefully not around as serious as the kind of things I've just talked about. But every day you make choices. And the choice is not simply between right and wrong or good and evil. You don't wake up, most of us don't wake up wrestling with, ah, today will I rob a bank or will I help alleviate world poverty? Uh, 
they're kind of not the wrestle the decisions that we have. The truth is that most choices we make are between the good we will do and the good we will not do, when you think about it. Most of, are looking, most of us are looking for ways that we can do the most good in a world that is filled with a lot of bad things and a lot of bad options. And the other reality is that most of us don't have time to be engaged uh, in everything that matters, uh, even if it matters to us. You could have one person who spends their entire life uh, endeavouring to provide fresh water to all the villages in Africa. What an amazing, what an incredible uh, life of good that is. You might have another person who devotes, devotes their entire life to um, bringing an end to the global sex trade. Now, both of those are amazingly good things to do, but they could, they could have conflict with each other, condemn each other for not participating in what they individually thought was the greatest cause on the planet. I read this statement recently and it, it kind of resonated with me. It said this, because sometimes we can be fo so, so focused on doing the right thing that we, that we lose out on doing the good thing. And I read this statement and said, we, have never, we must never be so certain of our rightness that we cannot be shown we are wrong. We must never be so certain of our rightness that we cannot be shown we are wrong. It's a challenging thought. I was wrong once and then realised I was mistaken. Um, <laughs> now, whilst there is definitely, and please don't misunderstand me, the context of my message this morning, there is definitely a battle being waged between good and evil. We know that. There's a spiritual battle. But, you know, most of our choices in daily living are not made at that crossroads. You and I are not making choices daily between good and evil. Occasionally we do. But this is where Jesus gives us another perspective and a different way and it's quite fascinating and challenging to, to think about life. He, he doesn't simply teach us the difference between good and evil or to choose between right and wrong. Uh, he treats those as very obvious distinctions. But he teaches us to choose between right, the right, and the good. It might seem a little counterintuitive, but sometimes the greatest enemy to doing the most good is living your life always trying to be right and do the right thing. So Matthew's Gospel records two separate occasions, two, two conversations where Jesus dealt with this tension between doing what is right and doing what is good. I hope I'm messing with your head already. I hope so. I'll fly out tomorrow and Pastor Peter can sort out the mess afterwards. And Jesus is dealing here with, and you'll understand as soon as we read this passage, he's dealing here with the Pharisees, the religious police, the religious rulers, dealing with people who use the right thing to, as a reason to not do the good thing. So listen to this, this story from Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees said this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. 
And he has, sorry, he answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and his, his companions ate the showbread, the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then verse 9, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is the life of a man than a sheep? Therefore, powerful statement, therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, I love this, stretch out your hand, he stretched it out, was completely restored. Because the Pharisees go away plotting how they might kill Jesus because he has, he has really upset them. So one afternoon, Jesus and his disciples, they've been, uh, been walking for some time and traveling for a while and find themselves walking through a wheat field. Disciples were hungry, so they begin to pick some of the heads of wheat and began to eat the grain. And uh, you remember from the story, and it's important to note, it was the Sabbath. When the Pharisees saw this, they pointed out to Jesus that his disciples were violating the Sabbath law. You're not allowed to work on the holy day. This was the holy day. This was the Sabbath. And in their minds, picking the wheat was akin to working the work of harvesting grain. You, you'll remember, I'm sure, that reverence for the Sabbath was inherent to the Jewish culture. It was God who established the Sabbath. Yet what had been established as a day of rest had become a day of rules and regulations. If you, some of you will remember the backdrop of this, this whole story, backdrop of this whole conversation is that the Hebrews had actually added, God had given through Moses 10, 10 laws, rules, regulations originally. The Jews had added, the Hebrews had added 613 Sounds a bit like the world in which we live. It's like, yeah, I keep getting more rules, more regulations. And, and, uh, and so they'd added 613 laws to make sure that you did not offend God. To make sure that you did the right thing. And since the Pharisees were experts in the law and the prophets, Jesus actually reminded them and he goes straight to the Scriptures and he reminds them and he asks them, have they ever read the story about David and his men when they were hungry and they went into the temple and they ate the showbread, the consecrated bread that uh, was offered to God that only the priests were allowed to eat. And, and then he goes on to reinforce this truth by saying, you know, asking them about uh, reading the law of Moses that the priests in the temple who work in the temple on the Sabbath are working on that day and they're violating the law, and yet they're innocent. They're not guilty. How is it possible to not do the right and still be considered good? That's the tension. And he reminds them that it is mercy. It's kindness. 
compassion that God wants, not sacrifice. And then, because it's like he makes an exclamation point of what he's saying by healing the man on the Sabbath. <laughs> I love that. It's like, yeah, there's the exclamation point. Here's an interesting thought. Even if you obey every law, and I'm not talking about laws of the land primarily here, but even if you obey every law, doesn't necessarily mean you've done any good. Doesn't this? I mean, we don't have an award at the end of the year for the person who didn't go over the speed limit one time. Because it, yeah, it's like, oh wow, well done. No, no, no. I mean, you've just done what was the law required. It's not, you haven't done any good for anyone. You've just obeyed the law. And that's, that's fine. But so, because uh, Matthew tells the wheat field story, they go to the synagogue, as I said, and um, conversation has changed. The Pharisees are angered by the, Jesus' lack of reverence for the Sabbath. And so, again, the religious police are looking for a way to nail him. And, uh, and of course, he, when he's asked the question, he responded by doing what he often did, and that was is so good. He, he fired back a question in return, and he gives them a scenario. So what if one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit? Won't you lift it out? And Jesus well knew that if it was anything that mattered to them, anything of value to them, it wouldn't be a problem. And then he states the obvious. How much more valuable to, is a human being than a sheep? And of course, Jesus healed the man. It was not God's intention ever for people to hide behind doing what was right to justify not doing the good they could do for somebody. I think it's a reality that if you choose to do the good, if you choose the path of good, there will always be those who will maybe condemn you because they don't see everything as being right. How many of you know you can be right but be wrong? <laughs> I think when I was here earlier in the year or last year, I shared about my own journey around some of the political issues in our country over the last year or so, and I'd been greatly challenged and convicted by, and I still hold to my opinion around certain issues, but I was wrong because my attitude had become like the spirit of the world. And that's the challenge. We have to come to the challenges we are confronted with in life and in the world, be it on a day-to-day -day basis or in a broader context, with a different spirit. We've got to come with the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of the age. And too often we are so easily infected by the spirit of the age and... And again, I, just in reading this recently, I was challenged by, wow, Jesus, Jesus confronts this whole thought and about just doing the right thing, got to do the right thing, got to do the right thing. And, you know, for me growing up again, it was often, it was a list of do nots. Um, you know, to be a Christian, it was a list of do nots. You don't chew gum. You don't go to the picture theatre. I've told you the story the first time I ever did go to the picture theatre. I was 10, 11 years of age. My parents were very 
that, they, my parents were good. They were, they were smart. Our year, year seven class was end of year breakup and they were going to the picture theatre. I'd never been into that godless place. And, uh, <clears throat> but my mum and dad let me go. And I, I kid you not, I can still, it is in my mind, I can see it even now, exactly where I sat. And I'm in there praying, please, Jesus, don't come back now. Because in my mind, because of the law, the regulation, the kind of the, the doing the right thing, I thought that it was go straight to hell, do not pass go, do not collect 200 if, um, if Jesus came back when I was in the picture theatre. And of course, it was a very, very risque movie that we went to see called Sound of Music. <laughs> the hills. Anyway, yeah, it was... The leaders, the spiritual leaders of Jesus' day would have spent their entire lives keeping the Sabbath holy and making sure people didn't break any of the rules and the regulations around it. And their commitment, though it was born of noble intention and had initially been a God purpose, but they'd lost the God purpose and the God intention in it and it became legalism. And it kept them from seeing that, and this is what Jesus was saying, the most sacred and holy thing that they could do on that day, the most sacred thing, the holy thing they could do on that day was help someone find healing. For Jesus, it seemed like there was nothing more sacred than doing good. You think about it, again, he got criticised when he hangs out with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who was a bad dude. Why would you hang out with him? Rip people off, blah, 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 Interesting thought. When we're focused just on doing the right, and again, you understand the context of what I'm, I'm not saying go and do wrong stuff. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But when we're so focused on getting it right, that's, that's kind of about, I think it's more about us ticking the boxes. For us to feel, yeah, we've got it right, got it right. But when we're focused on doing good, we're focused on others. We're focused on others. I think today it seems like there's no limit to what we can do wrong. You drive your car, you're destroying the atmosphere. We drink bottled water, which I have one this morning. We're destroying the oceans. We buy clothes, we're financing sweatshops. You take a raise at work, finance, you know, salary raise, you're, you know, uh, you're increasing or advancing economic inequity. Use your air con, you're contributing to the carbon footprint and climate change. And, oh, and I don't know where all the answers are. I, I do believe we need to look after our planet. I do believe we need to be good good stewards of what God has blessed us but but everything we seem to do these days has a consequence and and it's interesting isn't it because you go back to in fact I'll hold that thought because I'll come to it in a moment everything though we do seem to do has consequences to either our planet or its people whatever you whatever you may think about the current human condition and, and in its present state if you actually believe the scriptures the status of how we began was quite different. We're singing this morning about the goodness of God. In the beginning, actually, it was all about the good. 
So the Hebrews used repetition as a means of emphasizing a particular point. And the first instance of a phrase being repeated multiple times in Scripture is found in the very first chapter of Genesis when we have the, uh, the record of God creating. And of course, five times at the end of each day, God's finished the day's work, he steps back and said, it was good. It was good. Now, the word good has kind of, in our language, been dumbed down. It's kind of, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It doesn't mean a lot. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It doesn't mean a lot. What we need to understand here is when God was talking about good, he, he was not talking about, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, it wasn't talking about achievement. He was talking about the very essence of what he'd created. It was good. And then when he creates humanity, the language changes and it's not just good. He goes, it was very good. I want to tell you, humanity was created very good. The essence of humanity was very good because God doesn't create junk. He created and it's the essence was goodness. It was goodness. It was good. Tread in the image of God. The first command that God gave was eat freely. Eat freely. There was just one command about right or wrong. It was to do with the tree, the knowledge of good or evil. And when you put it in perspective, the focus was on about everything was good. And there was freedom. And there was just one, there was just one command about what was a right and wrong, don't eat of that tree. Other than that, they were free to choose and it was all good. Sometimes we feel that we're fighting in this jungle of trying to choose the right and the wrong and, and around the decisions we should make and we sometimes make even the will of God very complicated. I grew up with this, this concept that the will of God was like this narrow, jagged line and one wrong step and I've missed it. No, 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 no. Sure, we can make wrong choices and bad choices and that can have consequences, but many people are t paralyzed or terrorized to act almost because of the fear of doing the wrong thing. And sometimes I think we get, even as Christians, we get so focused on the wrong thing. Don't sin, don't sin. It's like when you're teaching your kid to ride a bike. And they're, they're trying to get the handle on the, the steering and the balance. And they get, and then as the parent, you suddenly see the tree. Don't look out for the tree. Look out for the tree. Look. And what do they do? They, hit, they, they see the tree suddenly. And I think you can be so focused on what not to do that that's where you veer towards. And again, it's not that there aren't boundaries. You've got to understand, though, the context. They even right back in the beginning, it was all about everything was good. There was only a small percentage that was the right or wrong. It was about goodness and doing good. And if you're concerned with sin, try shifting your focus away from what you should stop doing or not be doing and put your attention on what you should start doing. So that you're too busy doing good to even have time to do wrong. I think that's one of the great antidotes. You're too busy doing good to have time to do the wrong thing. Hmm. Focus on the good. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good things to do. 
Every day. We're confronted with small or larger situations, people in our lives who maybe just need some goodness. Maybe just need some goodness. Hmm. Sometimes the right thing to do, actually what is really the right thing to do, is to do the good thing that you can do right in that specific moment for the person standing in front of you. Look for the good. It's always the right thing to do. Do the good thing. We're singing about his goodness chasing us this morning. The goodness of God. And when you begin to live for the good and for doing good for people and good for the world around us, we step into a world of overwhelming possibilities, to be honest, endless possibilities. And here's the thing, you don't need to be good at everything. You might not be good at figures, but you might be, uh, be good at, um, you know, just baking a cake for somebody. You might not be a good leader, but you may have creative ideas. You might not, nobody's good at everything. But God's put goodness within you. And the work of his spirit within us and part of becoming more like Jesus is really simple. Go about doing good. That's, how many of you know that's what our world needs? Oh, we need an antidote for all the stuff that's going on in our world, for the atmosphere and the attitude of the world. Be an antidote by being good. Being good. I know the term do-gooders has kind of always been used as a bit of a, you know, label. I can think of a lot worse ones. <laughs> I actually don't mind being called a do-gooder. Better than being called a do-badder. <laughs> God created humanity as good. Very good. Through Jesus, God's purpose is to restore the goodness. Restore the goodness. That's God's goal. We live in a broken, dysfunctional, imperfect world. We are all broken, on a journey to wholeness. But you've got to understand that what that means is part of that journey is about, is about goodness. Don't, don't focus on trying to be right. Don't focus on trying to, got to do the right thing, got to do the right thing. No, no, just do the good thing. Do the good thing. And you'll find that most times it's actually the greater right anyway. It's the greater right anyway. So this week... Can I encourage you, as followers of Jesus, be more focused on doing the good thing than worried about doing the right thing. Because if you do the good thing, guess what? You're largely going to be doing the right thing. And uh, look for the good to do. Look for the good you can do. And it's, that's, the, that's the great thing. It's, it's actually not an impossibility. One of the team, if you'd just come up. Thank you. We're going to pray and I, I, I trust this morning that for some of you, God, maybe it's challenged your thinking a little bit. And if some of you are fighting even what I've said, that's cool. I talk to Pastor Peter, write Pastor Peter an email during the week. He would love that. Um, 
And again, you got to understand, I'm, I'm not saying do the wrong thing. I'm not saying, but sometimes we can be so focused on the wrong stuff that we miss what it's really about. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Don't get so caught up with the religious laws and what you should and shouldn't do. Hey, just do good for people. Why don't you stand? I was just to pray. Thanks, Jeremy. If you're... Oh, God, we realize that you are far, far greater than us. Oh, my goodness. Your thoughts and your ways are greater than ours. <laughs> Man. When we think we understand you and how, how this should all be worked out, we, we realize the further we go, the less we know. So God, this morning we come before you wherever we may be on our journey. We just come before you humbly. Say, God, help us to do life well. Help us to do life glorifying of you. Help us to do life where Jesus in us literally is manifest through the fruit of the Spirit, through love and joy and peace that comes through our lives and touches others through kindness and goodness and patience. Help us, God, I just pray you would call us back to the centrality of the character of Christ. For those of us who put up a hand and say, yes, we follow Jesus. Help us to understand afresh the simplicity of what that means. Walking in relationship with you, of allowing your life and your spirit within us to flow out of us, changing us, transforming us, but flowing out of us to touch and change the lives of those around us, people that are hurting, broken, confused. God, help us to bring hope. Help us to bring life. Help us to bring light. Help us to bring kindness and goodness. So I pray, Lord, that we go out with today even with just a fresh awareness, fresh vision this week. Help us to see things a little differently pray in Jesus' name. Amen.